Welcome to episode 114 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys. We're ready to talk some wrestling. And we got a lot of shocking stuff to get to. That just happened not too long ago on AEW Dynamite when we're recording here on Wednesday night. Uh, We're going to get to the amazing ending. uh, Some great storylines that are developing in AEW on the road to revolution. And uh, before we get into all that good business, we got to introduce the boys real quick who we're talking to tonight over in Glendale. My guy who keeps it regal, Steve Gropeschmidt. What up, Grabby? I am the genius Lenny Poffo. That means an awful lot. Not only can I prove I am, but you can't prove I'm not. I speak 11 languages, escuchen por favor. Santana comes from Mexico. Yo hablo mas mejor. The French I speak is magnifique. They told me in Paris. My Italian's molto bene. I learned when I was three. I speak Latin, Greek, and Russian, Hebrew, and Portuguese. I speak Swedish and Norwegian, and I'm learning Japanese. Aside from my intelligence, I'm as cunning as a rat, and I shall put these attributes to use upon the mat. I remind the competition and every wrestling fan, behold the genius Lenny Poffo, the world's smartest man. Fantastic job with that, Steve. I had a feeling you were going to bust out a little Lanny the Genius uh, for this week's promo, as you do so well each and every episode. Um, Yes, that was absolutely fantastic. We're going to give a little tribute to Lanny and, uh, you know, share our thoughts on his life and legacy and career. We Let's introduce Matt real quick over in Bayview, my guy who keeps it freshly squeezed, Mr. Matt Michelson. How are you, Matt? Brian Danielson's opportunity is dangling. It's dangling like a loose tooth. <laughs> one of MJF's that was a great less, line this evening. It was one of his less offensive lines of the evening, which we'll get into uh, shortly. Absolutely. But yeah, not to uh, not to just breeze over that so quick. I mean, Steve, again, thank you for delivering that awesome promo. And uh, yeah, as you all probably know who listen to the show and follow wrestling, heard the sad news that Lanny Poffo has passed away. He was an awesome, awesome uh, contributor to wrestling in the business. I mean, he gets, or maybe, I don't know, um, I guess a lot of people reference him with Macho Man Randy Savage, but if you didn't know, you're like, oh, I never knew that, and then kind of put him in that box because I didn't know until, I don't know, a couple years ago until maybe you guys got me schooled on that part of uh, the genius. But the genius was one of my favorites uh, back in the days of superstars on Saturdays. He's one of those mid-car guys, and he was kind of one of those dudes that kind of like really just was had a st- – like a really straightforward gimmick. He literally looked like a graduate, carried a diploma, and named himself the genius because he was college educated and he had a vocabulary and he spoke all those languages. It was just very short, simple, direct, to the point, entertaining. So God bless that man. 
Uh, he was more than just a jobber to me for sure. Uh, the genius was awesome for, you know, all those reasons and more. But uh, Steve, I know you grew up uh, admiring Lanny. What are your thoughts of his great career? No, oh, I could talk for a long. I could do a whole show on him, but I won't. Um, <laughs> no, I mean he was one of my favorites growing up. Seriously, like I, I liked him well enough when he was just leaping Lanny Poffo, the mostly jobber that would occasionally pull off an upset and he would throw the frisbees into the crowd with his poems um i don't think to your point earlier i don't know that in the history of wrestling they once on camera acknowledged he was the macho man's brother i think it was always one of no. those things you learned no i don't think point, they did either but i don't think they ever said it in anything but uh no i mean he did fine and as a as a jobber and then um they gave him the genius gimmick and he just crushed it and you know, paired him with uh mr perfect he had those vignettes like the one I just recited, and he was he was great. And uh, the genius has one of the biggest distinctions of that era, which very few people could say, in that he has a win over the Hulk Hogan when Hulk Hogan was champ. He won by mm -hmm. countout thanks to interference by uh, Mister Perfect. But and Lanny over the years talked about how you know he. I think the the, the whole Poffo family was really smart with their money, like Macho Man, the dad, Lanny. Mm -hmm. But he said that feud with Hogan, him and Mr. Perfect, like made him more money than any other point in his career. It was like a huge lucrative point in his career. Mm -hmm. Although he also had the distinction of um, they actually hired him into WCW. He collected a paycheck for, I think, like two, three years and never once was used. So mm. <laughs> I don't know. Is that what a, that might have been the, uh, the, what do you call it? The uh, nepotism there, but uh, worked He's for a him. genius. He's a genius. Working, getting paid with barely working. Working also, hard or hardly working. Also, I mean, this is maybe going on 10, 12 years ago. I uh, saw that he had a Facebook page and I, I friended him. And then uh, there was some time, like one of my birthdays, it was like two in the morning and uh, he wished me a happy birthday. I thought that was cool. I mean, Dude, fairly obvious, awesome. very obvious that it, he didn't have like somebody running his account. It was him. But uh, yeah, wow, like he, was really living the, he was living the good life. He uh, I mean, it sounds like he had congestive heart failure or something. But as far as I know, he didn't do drugs or anything. Um, 68, he was died in New York going to he went into a broadway show and stuff he was you know he's living in ecuador it looked like he was living a good life there mm. but uh a little early but at least he went out you know a happy man i think yeah it looked like based on some of the pictures i saw and just different news stories i'd heard it sounded like he was doing really well so it was kind of surprising that all this happened when it did admittedly i wasn't really a I wasn't knowledgeable or a knowledgeable fan of Lanny Poffo, um, especially his genius gimmick. I mean, obviously, I've heard Steve do it here on Keep the Kayfabe as part of his intro promos. But, uh, yeah, like I said, didn't really know much about him. Wasn't even aware that he was Macho Man's brother until, like you said, Mike, probably a few years ago. I learned it from this group and this show. So not only do we like to bring this information to the masses, we learn a lot just by talking to each other about these things. And... Yeah, it is kind of a sad story. Uh, you know, anytime these kind of stories come up, I always try and make a point to go back and watch some of their content. So I'll try and find some of Lanny Poffo's old matches or promos, hopefully. Maybe I'll even dig up that one Steve recited for us tonight. We'll see. Oh, it's the first one. The very first one. It's it's the best. It's great. Oh, one more thing about him, too. He, uh, I mean, some people were giving him due credit as like a, he was actually a pretty big innovator in the ring. Like here we are in the early 80s when he was still the good guy kind of jobber. He was doing shit then that like now is commonplace. But, you know, he was doing like moonsaults and stuff that like they didn't do back then. So Dang. he was kind of like the one of the first like innovative high flyers. Hmm. 
Poffos are sec- I mean, low key secretly just natural athletes. Oh, for you know, sure. Randy was I mean, he he wasn't like a high flyer, but I mean his finisher was off the top ropes with the elbow drop and I mean inside and to the outside of the ring but uh you know Randy was known for his characters but he was also known for you know being a Chicago White Sox I think he got drafted by the Major League Baseball yeah. uh so I mean they're just low key you know just studs so yeah big loss I thought I saw when they were doing those bio- biographies on Macho Man when they interviewed Lonnie, he might have had something going on with his back because I just vaguely remember he was like in his bed and he had to like mount his TV on his ceiling or something no, like I saw that. Something does that, about that. Yeah. Does that ring a bell to anybody else? I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, topic of the show. So it's not like I don't know why I remembered that, but I was like, oh, that's kind of a good idea to just mount the TV yeah. to your ceiling. Huh. <laughs> so might incorporate that pretty it's soon. It's a genius. He truly is. Yeah. <laughs> is and true. he's going to be, he's going to be very, very missed. And one more thing, Steve, before we move along, is your novel going to be an audiobook someday? Because I would actually love to buy it and hear you read it because the delivery that <laughs> you gave del- on that promo was do it in the damn land. good. I should do it in a Lanny Poffo voice. That'd be, uh, oh, dude, do it. Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. Absolutely. I hadn't planned on an audiobook, but, but maybe, maybe, maybe if, uh, maybe we got to give the people what they want. Well, I think, that, I think so many people would want the author reading this novel in the voice of a uh, legendary pro wrestler because there's a ton of crossover between sci-fi and pro wrestling, as everybody is aware. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Um, Maybe we can get Chris Statlander to read the female oh, voice. That should be our goal. And plus, you already talking. have a voice for radio. I mean, goddamn, you're on a successful wrestling podcast. podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll shoot her a DM. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, one last thing about Lanny Poffo is the urban legend that uh, he could um, S his own D. Huh. Huh. Wouldn't that be useful? <laughs> I don't know if I would go through with that, but, um, you know, if times got real tough, real hard, at least at least, you, you know, if you became homeless, you could like do something, you know, on the street. That could make you some money or, you know, keep you warm at night. Well, if nothing else, there's probably some words of encouragement that we'll talk about later that would lend it to that. <laughs> True. How did you find that piece of information? Oh, that's been out there for years. It's like, uh, I, I don't know if he said it. I think he might have actually said he did, whether he was bullshitting or not. <laughs> like, like in an interview or? Like... Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know if he out and out said it, God. but that, 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 that rumor has been associated to him for many years all right well if we get any classic wrestlers on the show and we interview them and they ever had any you know encounters with uh lonnie or or knew him well we're that's going to be the the question that we lead with could the man suck his own d yes also real quick real quick um (laughs) there was another loss in wrestling that same day and that was um 90 some year old uh one of the oh, all-time yeah. great jobbers kenny J, who yeah. intrepid fans of our show would know that we were narrowly close to interviewing at crusher fest but yeah he uh he was the oldest of the group and uh he got tired and had to go back to the hotel but we almost interviewed him probably would have been one of his last interviews but uh yeah wow, wow. What, could, what could have been and for those of our listeners who are maybe newer to the show um first of all welcome secondly if you do want to check out that interview from Crusher Fest, we talk pretty extensively with Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel uh, 
both living legends, as Mike likes to call them, which they totally are. Um, I think it was episode 58 or 59. So if you're looking for some good old school Keep the Kayfabe content, go back, check it out. One of our favorite episodes for sure. Yep. And while you're at it, listen to all the episodes and leave us a nice review wherever you listen to your um, podcast. That would be awesome. And speaking of awesome, there was an awesome little swerve at the end of tonight's AEW Dynamite program this evening. It was between the Acclaimed and the Guns, uh, also known as the Ass Boys. They have kind of had, they've had a long history. Uh, They've, you know, were buddies at one time. They've kind of came up together. Um, If you've been paying close attention, now they're kind of both, you know, the Acclaimed are just over like Rover, as over as a, a team could get in quite some time in the guns. You can see him coming up. Uh, and the one common thread between these two teams is there is the guns father, the badass Billy gun, who is basically like the mentor shaman to the acclaimed, but it is the guns dad. So, you know, a few weeks ago, it was pretty awesome how the guns were just like, yeah, go ahead, dad, walk out on us like you did all the time. And like, yeah, <laughs> go to the bottle or in the women. And, for you know, it was it was tugging at my heartstrings. I kind of love that shit. Like when they, you know, when family can do that, like have like and there's the, probably a little truth to it. So that oh, always makes yeah. it better. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. If your dad is in DX with coining the suck it uh, in the heyday of the Attitude Era, and your name is Mr. Ass, you think he's going to be an all-star Bob Saget, Dan, uh, Danny Tanner dad? Fuck no. He's out there partying. He's ripping it up. And you know the kids were at home playing their Nintendo wishing old Mr. Ass was there to help them uh, get past the first level of Super Mario. But he wasn't. He was on no, the road. He was banging and hanging. And getting ass. Oh, yeah. Wine and dining and 69 and all day, baby. <laughs> but um, anyway, he was, uh, you know, so that was, you know, stirring the pot, loving where the story was going. Acclaim come out tonight in El Paso. Drop a nice little rhyme. I was certainly feeling it. Guns, you know, they're looking good. They're, I love the Shawn Michaels uh, tights that they wear. I got to say that that gets me every time. But nowhere did I think they would ever win. As the match goes on, it's like, huh, this is kind of getting uh, suspiciously close. And the ref, uh, you know, got interfered with. He got knocked out. Mr. Ass came down. Billy Gunn came down, as I should say. But, um, yeah, as the match wrapped up, um, through dastardly tactics, the Guns are your new tag team champions in AEW. The, cl- the acclaimed are beltless. All they have left is their scissors, no gold. So, what a shocking turn of events. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a continued story, but the boys and I were texting as we were talk, uh, watching AEW tonight, thinking like, ah, it'd be nice to put a nice little capper to this story, and then, boom, this happened. Did you see this coming, Steve? Absolutely not. I uh, I think I commented to you guys. I'm like, God, I'll just, I just want this feud over with. Because I'll admit, I mean, there were moments where they, they were really kind of clicking on this feud, but I feel like it's kind of gone on and hasn't necessarily in the long run done the acclaimed a whole lot. I mean, they're still over like Rover, but it's like, come on, can we get something a little meatier with their, with their feud here, with their title run? But, and then again, as I also was talking to you guys about the last thing I wanted to see, and I was worried it was coming a mile away, was um, 
Billy Gunn turning for like the three thousandth time. I mean, I actually counted it. I think it would be it would have been his fourth turn just in the three years of AEW. Because if you recall, he was a good guy. Then he inexplicably turned on Paul White, and then he never did anything with it. And then he turned back and Who joined. Was Billy Gunn with uh, before anybody? Was he well, always with his sons? He's, he started so. off with his sons, and they were good guys. And That's then right. he they just turned on Paul White at some point. And then right. um, then they were heels. And then Billy Gunn turned on his kids to join the acclaimed. And this would have been the fourth. Yeah. So it, they teased it, but it didn't happen. But no, the title change was a complete swerve to me. I'm still on the fence about the uh, guns, but I'm really okay with this. I think the acclaimed needs something to go after. They were better in the chase. I expect this to be a very short reign. So, yeah, why not? Why not do a little little unexpected? I agree with all that. I feel like the Acclaimed are also a lot better chasing the titles than they were as the tag team champions. I mean, obviously, they're one of the most over-tag teams in AEW, if not the most over-tag team. But I think we all agree that their title reign was starting to feel a little bit stale. Obviously, the crowd loves, you know, shouting the catchphrases with them every week and stuff like that at the same time you know it's kind of like okay well where is this going and I think when we saw the gun club come out a couple weeks ago I know at least I was not all for it I'm like why would AEW waste their time with this and admittedly even going into this match tonight I felt the exact same way but I did think when they did go into this match and especially when I saw that it was the main event I started to think to myself, maybe they'll actually pull the trigger on this because why would you put this match on last after that trios match we saw, which was phenomenal, unless something major was going to happen. And like Steve just said, we were speculating a little bit that Billy Gunn might turn again. So that was an idea. Obviously, the ref bump, the moment that happened, my mind started to race like, oh, maybe they're going to do something strange, like give the titles to the guns. I do think it's a little weird that they gave it to the guns just in general, like They've definitely gotten better in the ring. I'll give them that. I don't think they're ready to be world champions yet. The other thing I do want to throw out there, and this is kind of unrelated to the acclaimed and the guns, is it seems like recently AEW's tag team division has felt a little bit thin. We haven't seen Swerve and Keith Lee in a while. Obviously, Swerve's doing his own thing. Keith Lee seems to be taking some time off. There's a lot of other really good tag teams in AEW, None of them are even close to the title picture right now. And I don't know if that's by design because obviously the the Young Bucks are doing the trios thing with Kenny Omega along with the top flight and AR Fox are all, you know, in that trios match we saw tonight as well. So everybody seems to be busy doing stuff, which is great. Awesome. Everybody's getting TV time. At the same time, the acclaims seem kind of lost and... Obviously, the Guns are a longtime rival of theirs. That's kind of what got them over to begin with, is when all of them were together as a group. And now we're seeing them fighting with each other. And I got to believe this is going to lead us to revolution. So, you know, I, you can kind of see now where the story's going, I think, which is awesome. Like, great way to find a a, a storyline out of what was quickly becoming nothing. Um, But yeah, I still don't know exactly how I feel about this. I think the crowd was not for it. You know, there was bullshit chants at the end of the show. They were not feeling it in the arena. I kind of wasn't either at first, but I do appreciate the fact that the story's there. And just knowing how well AEW does at booking these things, I'm going to let it play out and see where it goes. Yeah. After hearing you guys uh, make your points, 
I am. I think this is a very good decision for the acclaim because yes, we keep saying it. They are so over. It's crazy. Well, that can diminish the longer the titles are on them. I think if you take it away from the fans a little bit, the fans will get more behind them and it'll keep, it's kind of like, you know, playing that game where you keep the balloon in the air Mm -hmm. uh, all the time and don't let it hit the ground. That's kind of what you kind of have to do with the acclaim when they're this hot, like, the balloon's still in the air. The acclaim's hot. They just don't have the belt, so the 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 balloon's almost hitting the floor. You guys know what I'm saying, right here? Absolutely. Like, you just kind of like you gotta keep you gotta keep playing with them. You gotta keep playing with them with the crowd and give the crowd to get them behind because they are so clever with you know how they connect with the crowd with the scissoring, these raps, their outfits, their gimmicks, the way they treat the crowd. Exactly. This is not a bad thing, ladies and gentlemen. I think this is a great thing. I did not think that the guns were going to, you know, I never thought they were going to win the title, even if they were the main event. I just thought AEW was going to be like, okay, the guns must have been working pretty hard uh, off camera and they got something dialed in and they want to deliver it with a great team and put on a great match. Get the guns over without relinquishing the belts. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's almost like um, a look over here thing with uh billy gun is he like oh is he gonna turn like you're focused on that that's gonna be the big payoff for this main event but no they pulled the rug from out from under us they gave us a nice little topic for us to talk about and listen to the next day for our listeners so i think this is a good thing the more that it rests and honestly on the road to revolution i like revolution it it comes at a very good time in the year it's one of my favorite it's kind of sneaky good because there's nothing to do in january there's nothing to get excited about in february either you're kind of for me personally it's kind of like the midway season of hockey so it's like you just want the fucking playoffs to get here i need something good so when they got a good little storyline going on leading into this pay-per-view that happens in march i appreciate that because once spring happens, life gets way, way crazier. So I like this good little storyline to keep an eye on. Any final thoughts about the belts, boys? I think, like I said, I think it's going to be a short reign. I think it, may, it the, the title change served its purpose. Hopefully the acclaim get it back. Yeah, I think the right. biggest mistake AEW could make is keeping it on the guns too long and getting go-away heat. But, yeah, with Revolution right around the corner, I can't imagine that'll be the case. Totally. Yep. I trust the system that Tony's uh, unless, giving us right now. Unless they're doing something crazy where they want to get the belts on FTR, but they couldn't rightly do that with the two heel faces. So, yeah, I don't know, mm-hmm. but we'll see. We shall see indeed. And speaking of uh, setting up Revolution, there's been a lot of good stuff developing in the singles division, especially the AEW Heavyweight Championship title with MJF. He had an amazing match tonight with Takeshna. Takeshta. Ta with a T. Takeshta. Uh, it was phenomenal. I thought um, MJF. They led. They led off tonight, so I think they got the bookings totally correct. Uh, it was a great show. You always want the opener to be solid and the main event to, you know, shut it down appropriately. And I thought they achieved that with both of these matches. MJF. He showed some good stuff, and he propped out Takeshita very well throughout the match. Both of those guys worked really well. You could kind of see at times with the camera angles that they were speaking to one another, but that was okay because I was like, damn, 
they re- they actually can communicate well even with the language barrier there. So props to that. I thought MJF like was very supportive when he was getting worked, made Takeshita look really good, and then MJF's pulling out some new moves that we haven't seen from him. But MJF did win by submission, and then from there things got a little crazy. But any thoughts about the match, Matt, that you saw uh, that let off Dynamite tonight? Yeah, over the last several weeks, I feel like AEW's really been on a roll with Dynamite lately. Uh, Obviously, we had the Jay Briscoe tribute a few weeks ago, which was a little bit different of a show, but given the circumstances, it was what it was. I think going into this episode of Dynamite, I had really high expectations, and admittedly, I don't feel like AEW always lives up to them. I'm starting to get to a point as a viewer where I can see the formula that they use for booking, and... Going into this match, at first I forgot that this match was even booked on the card, so I was really happy to see it actually kick off the show and see MJF in the ring. The match itself was phenomenal. like It greatly exceeded my expectations. I think it was really good for Takeshita. They're slowly revealing more and more of what this guy can do. MJF later in the show cut a promo calling Takeshita some sort of prodigy and said he's pretty good, but he's no you know generational talent like MJF. So... I there is some truth to that like any great promo I think Takeshita is really good and we're starting to see more and more of it the more he wrestles and especially when you put him in the ring with someone like MJF you get a great match out of it um like I said this was way better than I expected nothing really specific to comment on as far as like any individual spots or anything like that I think a lot of matches where they decide to work an injured body part, I kind of lose interest in. And I think it's because we just see it done so often. But for whatever reason, MJF working Takeshita's arm made a ton of sense to me. And I think Takeshita did a pretty good job. He kept coming back to it throughout the match. And it played into the match, but it didn't dehabilitate him like we see that happen a lot in WWE. Um, He found a way to work through it and to kind of work with one arm most of the time. So I really appreciated that, and I think it really made the match that much better. Totally agree, Matt. I think, uh, yeah, like you kind of sneakingly, you know, they brought it up a bunch of times on the show about how MJF is like actually a really good wrestler. And he really is. It's like he he's the smarmy villain that doesn't wrestle much, but yet it kind of works. And I'm actually happy with that. Not everybody needs to wrestle every damn week. This isn't the WWE for crying out loud. But um, <laughs> no. And yeah, to ca- they're, they're just working magic. It's like sometimes you wonder what they're doing with things it's like Takeshita getting shown on tv constantly and then he's got matches left and right and but he's like kind of building up some wins and upsets and stuff and then it's like boom and then here you have him against the champ nobody really thought he was gonna win but it really kind of gave him credibility and like this guy's just kind of a made man now I, I saw some tweets I don't have twitter anymore but sometimes I check just like logged off to see what like reaction things have and uh, there's like multiple people saying that guy's going to be a world champion one day. Not sure if that's true, but I really like what they're doing with him. And uh, yeah, it was a great match. Just really reminded you of the greatness of MJF, especially when he did that, like flip off the top rope and landed on his feet. Yeah, that was awesome. I love that. That was one of the moves that really impressed me a lot. And then, yeah, the outside the ring work, they work really well together. Good, good builds on both the the dudes. The, the, I mean, MJF yeah. is studly. Like, he looks great. And then this Takeshita guy looks just as amazing. They're just around the same height. So, I mean, it's just kind of like two freaking legit action figures wrestling in real life. Like, 
it's crazy. So yeah, great opening match. And uh, MJF went on to have like a pretty crazy <laughs> promo later on in the show. Uh, he, he was on screen a lot tonight, which is never a bad thing. Um, in my opinion, cause I, I think he's a brilliant, brilliant person. But, um, so what was this promo all about? He keeps talking about this person named Liv. And then I'm honestly like, you know, just kind of on my phone while I'm watching the end of the show too. And they're already saying MJF is referencing Liv Morgan. Are these just like people, like these people just trying to get clickbait, right? Gotta be right. It has nothing to do with Liv Morgan. It's right. hard to say. Yeah. yeah I'm, I mean, MJF even does like say, you know, t- for legal reasons, we'll just call her Liv. So I I don't know if he's referencing Liv Morgan or what. I mean, that's obviously where my mind went because you hear a wrestler say that name and that's what you think of. Um, this promo was really unusual. It It started out really serious. And I feel like every once in a while, MJF likes to do this where he'll pull out some memory from his past to either get some kind of a baby face reaction. Um, But that's not what this was. It was just kind of a dark story from his past about ruining his car. And, you know, when he heard the cops coming and the sirens going, he switched spots with her in the car, basically, to make it seem like he wasn't driving because that's the kind of scumbag he is. Like, (laughs) you know, typically we've heard these promos from MJF and by the end, you know, he'll, you know, do the right thing and make you think, oh, maybe there's hope for this guy or something, or it'll be more lighthearted. This was about as dark as you could get. Um, really weird. And you could hear the reaction from the crowd right away. And even the even the commentators didn't really know what to say about it. Tony Schiavone just, I mean, Tony Schiavone never has anything good to say about MJF, but this was, you know, how do you follow this up? Um, <laughs> for those of our listeners who haven't, who don't know what we're talking about, who maybe who haven't watched Dynamite yet, I would say it's probably on YouTube. Go on YouTube and watch this promo because you'll be shocked at how much of a heel he comes across as. And I think with, what is it, three to four weeks left on the road to revolution, it's probably a good thing that he's starting to go as dark as possible because it's going to create this awesome dynamic between him and Brian Danielson. But mm-hmm. but anyway, as far as the, the promo itself goes, yeah, it was it was sick. Steve, I I don't know how you felt about this. I'm guessing the same way. Yeah, no, it's like, you know, you kind of, you know, you've been watching wrestling as long as we have. You, you, um, it's like we all had, a, I don't know, at least I did, had a big laugh when like Christian went there with the, your dad's dead. Like, I mean, it was fucking awesome. There's times I don't like when they do that. Like, you know, when they reference someone's real life drug problems, like they did with Scott Hall back in the day, which like they've done with Jeff Hardy. I don't know. There's some mm-hmm. weird line for me that like gets too real. But since I presume this was pretty much 100% made up and he didn't really get in an accident with some woman and she almost died. Um, and I don't have any problems with them pulling stuff like that out. It just, yeah, it's kind of new depths for a character we didn't think could get lower. So, uh yeah, it needed a little juice. I mean, like I, I think this feud's great in a lot of ways, but I also struggle with the fact that it's so predictable. The outcome, like I think, there's like a five percent chance to me that Brian Danielson wins the title because it's just too early in the MJF run. Doesn't mean it won't be an amazing Iron Man match, but uh, I do like that they're putting a little juice in this thing. And plus, there's the Takeshita, you know, getting somebody else the rub from this whole feud. But yeah. It's been a very efficient storyline that they're running. Like we mentioned with Takeshita, uh getting Danielson in there uh, after Regal's exit. And yeah, 
MJF just keeps improving in the ring. He's always had it on the mic. And that's what Danielson excels at the most. So this Iron Man match is actually the perfect booking to get MJF the respect that he deserves in ring work. Because we know Brian Danielson can get it done. So just having this deep, dark story makes Brianson, uh, sorry, uh, Brian Danielson look more of the non face that he is even though he's not a true baby face because he does look like he's 60 years old he honestly makes terry funk look youthful i think (laughs) and that's just my opinion i just don't like the way he looks and that's why i just don't love him as a wrestler as much i respect the hell out of him i just hate the look i hate the look but anyway um but it just makes him look more of an ultimate baby face if mgf is being this shitty which he is so good at so this is kind of a match made in heaven. I think we would be remiss if we didn't bring up a great match from last week. It was between Samoa Joe and Darby Allen, which was the main event for the TNT Television Championship. And uh, I've been on the show many times expressing my dislike for Samoa Joe. I'm very open about it. Don't love him. But did I love this match? I sure as hell did. This was crazy. This was probably one of the better matches I have seen in a long, long time. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of setup, a lot of working together. I mean, Darby Allen, he's he's a maniac. He's a legit, insane maniac. And uh, some of the spots in this match were absolutely crazy and stuff I've never seen. And one spot in particular that I wish we could have seen was this um, thumbtack hoodie that Darby put on. And uh, he had a little trouble like putting it on because I think the tax got tangled up and it's on like TV, you know, they've been wrestling around and they're tired. They were in the crowd they're, He's up on the top rope trying to get this thing on. Like, how do you even do that? So that was the only thing with, with these types of matches, these hardcore matches, whatever you want to call them. It's just like, you know, so much stuff has to go right. And, not throw off the timing because you know it's the main event after this you can't go over time you're gonna get cut off you got to get to the point especially with the way the ending was so man i mean these guys did a lot of stuff in a short amount of time and it was very entertaining um but uh i was very surprised to see that samoa joe did take this match over darby allen and after you know as i just explained it how good it was I was okay with it. So am I a Joe super? I wouldn't go that far, but do I have more respect for the man? I do. So do you guys remember uh, this match from last week? Yeah, how could you forget it? Um, it? This was probably one of the best main events on Dynamite that I can remember in recent history. Like you said, Mike, Samoa Joe ended up winning it. Um, three spots that really stuck out to me during this match. There was a moment early on where... Darby and Joe are fighting outside the ring, and I think the stairs get moved in front of the barricade. Joe whips Darby into the stairs, and Darby, the front of Darby's knee kind of clips the step, and he does like a front flip over the step. But then he lands like on his ass on the barricade and just kind of walks it off. It was the weirdest thing. I, I was listening to the What Culture podcast because, of course, we can't go an episode without me referencing these guys, right? But <laughs> as I'm listening to the show, they compared that spot to the latest version of WWE 2K where it was super glitchy and the characters would start just flailing all over the place in ways that didn't seem real. 
that's probably the best way to describe how Darby actually took that bump. It was just crazy. The mm-hmm. second one that really stuck out to me was, I think what you were talking about, Mike, where he was trying to get on this thumbtack covered hoodie and he got part of it on, but he just kind of went, okay, whatever, good enough. Went for the coffin drop. Joe grabs him and then wraps it around his face and starts yeah, pulling that was back on it. Wild. That was That was brutal. And the other spot, which I feel like took forever to set up, but was totally worth it because I love these kind of ghoulish things, was when Darby started cutting apart the ring and exposing Mm -hmm. the wood planks that make up the actual bottom of the ring. Um, Joe went for an avalanche muscle buster off, I think, the second rope and dropped Darby um, onto the ring cover, like onto the canvas piece. But, I mean, there was no mat underneath it to cushion his fall or anything like that i think joe actually took the worst of that bump because he landed on just the exposed wood like a flat on his back and he's a big dude so you could tell actually after that bump he went to cover darby and he was in some pain after that so mm-hmm. yeah this match was out of control i every darby allen match as a late i feel like is just the whole time you're just thinking to yourself how much longer is this guy going to be able to keep doing this shit because every week he comes out and just destroys himself. And I think that's part of the story they were trying to tell. But at the same time, I don't know how much of a story it actually is. The guy just destroys himself in every match with no regard for himself. And this match was no different. In fact, I think this is probably one of his most brutal matches. The only other thing that sticks out to me that I'm like, no, that was definitely worse, was the ladder match he had with uh, Jeff Hardy. Oh, where he yeah. did that ladder bump from inside the ring to the outside through a pile of chairs and that to me will stand out as probably one of my all-time favorite high spots but i think this match is right there with it it not near quite as extreme but there was a lot of other really brutal stuff that happened during this match so uh, at least that's what i can remember from it yeah that's amazing matt yeah i need like a a bottle of advil after watching darby allen matches (laughs) but yeah after um I, i i mean yeah to take that bump onto that bare wood, uh, I mean, those boards, those are thick. There's no give to those. Like you said, there was no padding there. There was no mat. And, wow, yeah, it was crazy. You got any follow-up to that, Steve? It's hard to top that. I mean, other than, yeah, there's just the, the brutality of that match. And, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, every, I, I feel the exact same way as Matt. Like, every time I watch a Darby match, I'm like, this dude's going to be a cripple before, you know, well before the age of 40 because he may bounce off and do these video game moves and get up and keep wrestling. But the, the body, the body's the body. It's not, there's There's like a, there's an invisible card where they're keeping track of these bumps. And it's like, at some point he's just going to be a wreck because how could you yeah. not be even the simplicity yeah. of the one that like Joe heaved him over the top rope from the ring and just, I mean, it, it, just that simple move was vicious. Mm-hmm. And like the announcers were just like, oh my God. And um, yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I um, respect the hell out of Samoa Joe for all his accomplishments, but I, I'm kind of bored with him and I'm kind of bored with these feuds. And I just like, I was bored with him when he feuded with Wardlow. I was bored with this feud, but damned if he doesn't have good matches still in his forties. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm I'm really excited to see the Ward Dog come out there with a great haircut. By the way, I'm very happy that they finally got rid of that. 
I don't know what it was, like a little samurai, little, little rat tail thing, little yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it, but you know, he could have pulled it off. You know, I'm a big look guy. I could have easily hated on Wardlow. I was willing to look past that ponytail thing that he had going on. I'm very happy to see that it's gone because now he looks like a bona fide superstar. Looks great in a suit. He honestly looks like Dave Batista without all the weird tattoos with like the sun around the belly button and all these other weird weird ones. Like he he he's a monster. And he's showing great promise. So I think I I, I really think there's great things for the board dog uh in this company. So yeah, it was a great way to close the show. AEW Dynamite has been great these past two weeks. Uh, we covered a lot tonight. And, um, yeah, I just want to thank you all for listening. Um, before we sign off, we want to make sure to remind you to like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram so you can keep up to date with what we're up to when new episodes are dropping. And let us know what you want to hear, too, what you want us to cover on um, Keep the Kayfabe. We love hearing from our fans and uh, uh, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcast. And um, we're going to let uh, Lanny Poffo take us out tonight because uh, there's a there's a video on YouTube where he actually addresses his fans three days before he passes away. It's pretty crazy. And, I mean, uh, I just think it's a great way to close. As we mentioned, we love and honor this man. And thank you for everything, Lanny. So, um For those of you out there that listen regularly, stay humble, stay hungry, and stay hard. And thank you, Lanny. May you rest in peace. To carry in a volume like the Encyclopedia of Wrestling here. So something very short, something very poignant, and something that she can take with her every day of her life. And it's all the wisdom I've learned in the years that I've been on this earth. And it goes... Be humble when victorious. Be noble in defeat. Be there when your neighbor doesn't have enough to eat. Try to love your enemy and always be aware that World Cup or Super Bowl, the tortoise beats the hare.